Well, as always, it's an honor to be here with you this morning. Uh, I have a couple of things before we jump into the, into the passage this morning. First of all, if you had told me that we were going to finish up our fall series with the same weather we started it, uh, I never would have guessed that, but I'm not complaining, certainly not complaining. Uh, second thing is, just remember, if you're eligible, uh, we vote this week. And so if you, if you uh, will, go do it. Uh, go vote. And people ask me, well, how do I vote? Well, pray and obey. I find that works really well for me. Uh, pray and obey. Uh, make sure you use your freedom wisely. Uh, but here we are. We're in our last message of our fall series uh, through the book of James. We'll be finishing up chapter two together um, this morning. And then after the Christmas season, as we get back into first of the year, we'll finish up the book of James in this series, Faith Works. This being volume one, that'll be volume two. Um, but so far, we, we've looked at this book that really talks about practical Christianity. So I just love the book of James. Practical Christianity. In fact, that's the thread that runs through the entire book of James, holding it together. Uh, in the first chapter, we learned that we must not just merely be hearers of the word, but doers of the word. If we're merely hearers and not doers, we, we deceive ourselves into believing something we're not. In fact, it's, it all centers around this word faith. Faith is God's foundational, foundational gift to each and every one of us. Faith is a common mark of, of all Christians. At least it ought to be. Faith is the continuality of, of this reality uh, of really walking with God. It's the thread that holds our Christian life together. Faith is the root from which good works grow. And to be certain, as we read through the book of James, as we've been studying this book, we understand that faith without works for James is worthless. It's worthless. In fact, it's the, the relationship between faith and works that we're going to be examining together this morning but before we do, let's define the word faith, because I think that helps us answer the question, what makes faith real? And how can we be sure that our faith is saving faith? Our English word faith, as found in the New Testament, it is translated from the Greek noun that can be translated firm, persuasion, conviction, and trust. It comes from the Greek word that can also be, uh, this verb can also be translated as believe, have confidence, persuade, trust. Or obey. In all these words we find in our English translation of the Bible in the New Testament, they're, they're all valid translations translated according to their context. But all of this gives us an idea of what faith truly is. And it's this quality of faith that's foundational, it's fundamental to Christian living. And it's that faith that James writes about in James chapter 2, 14 through 26. It's a little lengthy passage, but I think it's helpful if we just read through it and then sort of dissect it from there. James 2, 14 through 26, he writes, What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, be warmed and filled, without giving them the things needed for the body, what good is that? So also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works and I will show you my faith by my works. You believe that God is one, you do well. Even the demons believe and shudder. Do you want to be shown, you foolish person, that faith apart from works is useless? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered up his son Isaac on the altar? 
You see that faith was active along with his works, and faith was completed by his works. And the scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness. And he was called a friend of God. You see that a person is justified by works and not by faith. And in the same way, was not also Rahab the prostitute justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out another way. For as the body apart from the spirit is dead, so also faith apart from works is dead. And so here James really describes faith in four ways. It's defined in four ways. First, saving faith includes works. In fact, James clarifies that any faith without works is useless. Second, faith without works is dead. As the body without the spirit is dead, faith without works is dead. Third, faith can't be limited to intellectual belief because the demons have that kind of belief. And then fourth and lastly, biblical faith is the best defined as active obedience. And, and James offers us two examples, the example of what Abraham and, and, and Rahab to prove this. Now it's noteworthy, catch this, it's noteworthy that the one common factor <coughs> The one common factor for every person in scripture who honored God by their faith is actively obeying him. Seems like the theme this morning. (laughs) Actively obeying the Lord. It's important to know that James is not uh, redefining salvation by works. He's not saying that the works that we do are meritorious. In other words, we, we don't earn our salvation. Jesus paid the price for our salvation. We can't earn it, right church? Come on, convince me this morning, right church? But... As followers of Christ, we're going to have works in our life. The works don't save us, but those who are saved will have godly works. It may not always look perfect because we're not on a perfect journey. God's perfect. We're not. Our journey sometimes looks like this. But we're growing in him. So James is explaining really the the quality of faith of a believer. He's teaching on saving faith. And saving faith is demonstrated by an ever-increasing godly works in a person's life. We often say, come to Jesus as you are. The scripture teaches that way. Come to Jesus as you are. But we have to add, but don't expect to remain there. If you're really walking with Jesus, he's going to help you grow and become more and more and more like him. The Bible talks about two categories of works. In Galatians, Paul writes that there's the works of the flesh. And the works of the flesh are accompanied by our own effort. And he lists them. He says, immorality, adultery, strife, jealousy, anger rivalries, and and many things like these. And then he talks about the works of the Spirit. And and the works of the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit, is is what happens when God's Spirit is given the freedom to work in and through us. So by the help of God, what can we do? Well, he lists them for us as well. They they include love and joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Here's what we're to understand. The works that that James refers to are not the works of the flesh. Surprise, surprise. It's the works of the spirit. He's saying that when we're in an authentic, a genuine relationship with God through Jesus Christ, but he does a work within us that allows us to be able to produce those things which give him glory. James isn't calling us to to, to live out of our flesh and just try harder. He's really calling us to surrender more to give more of ourselves to the Lord. And here's the, here's the overarching principle in a nutshell that we see in this passage. Without the works or fruit of the Spirit present in the lives of believers, their faith is dead. Let me say it again. 
Without the works or fruit of the Spirit present in the lives of believers, their faith is dead. And so James goes on. What does he say in the past? He shares three major principles concerning faith and works. Three major principles. And that's what I want to really look at this morning. Three major principles. The first is this. Saving faith demonstrates appropriate works. Saving faith demonstrates appropriate works. James 2, 14 through 16. What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, be warmed and filled, without giving them the things needed for the body, what good is that? James is saying that it's inconceivable for a person walking in the Spirit to say that he has faith if that faith isn't translated into appropriate works of the Spirit. Uh, appropriate works of the Spirit through the life of the believer include what? It includes us meeting the needs of others, especially other believers. And I was thinking about this. I, I thought about a, a tough period in my life several, several years ago now, some time ago. And, and I was going through this tough ministry period and, and I had many people, I really did, I was so blessed, I had many people come alongside me to encourage me and to, to give me instruction and, and to pray for me. But one sort of rose above the others, and that was a man by the name of Jim Rathbun. Now, many of you, if not all of you, probably don't even know who he is. But Jim and his wife, Rachel, mentored my wife and I way before we were ever even dating. They were a part of our college ministry as leaders. And they poured into our lives. And as we married, they continued to pour into our lives. And when Jim had heard what was happening in this particular situation, he reached out to me. And he said, hey, I'm going to come and see you. He lived three and a half, four hours away. And he drove and took me out to lunch with the only purpose of seeing how I was doing, seeing if there was anything he could do for me. Throughout this whole time, he, he wanted to make sure that not only did he pray for me, he prayed with me. And so whenever he was on a business trip and he was in the area, he would, he would make sure he found a way to, to get to me so he could be present. There's something about presence of someone who cares about you. Something powerful about it. For six months, at least six months straight, there wasn't a day that didn't go by that he didn't send me a text of prayer and encouragement. Six months, never missed a day. And, and, and I knew he was an individual that I could call at any time. I could call him at two in the morning. It better be good. But I could call him at two in the morning and, and he would just listen and pray. That's what James is talking about. He's saying that, that if we're truly going to be followers of Christ, then we're going to demonstrate that love. We're not just going to tell people we love them. We're not just going to speak of God's mercy. We're going to exhibit God's mercy. Jim did that in such a powerful way. It still encourages and challenges me to this day. Here it is. Saving faith responds with the appropriate works of the Spirit in the lives of those around us. The second foundational principle that James really points out to us is that saving faith is accompanied by godly action. Look at verse 17. So also, faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. I like the way the New English Bible translates this. It just makes it so clear, the New English Bible. So with faith, if it does not lead to action, it's in itself a lifeless thing. Lifeless faith. So James already demonstrated that the need for faith in action by sharing and helping those in need. Now he goes to much more of like a theological perspective. Look at verse 18. But someone will say, you have faith and I have works, as if they're two different things. 
Show me your faith apart from your works, and I'll show you my faith by my works, James responds. Then verse 19, you believe that God is one and you do well. Even the demons believe and shudder. I remember many, many years ago coming across that verse and thinking, wow, that's sobering. The demons are not saved. They know nothing of the peace of God. They, they don't even love the God they confess. But listen to what James is declaring here. Merely believing in the existence of God and even his mighty power is not saving faith. Even believing in God and, and even believing that he's powerful isn't saving faith. Catch this, even the demons have that type of faith, James says. To believe in God and not obey him is the very essence of sin. It's, it's, it's missing the mark. Our faith must show itself in action. Now let me be clear again. It's not about earning salvation. It just means that if we are saved, if we're in a relationship with God, there ought to be increasingly God-like works being exhibited through our life. You've heard me say this many, many, many times if you've been around here. I, I know I'm not what I ought to be, but I thank God I'm not what I used to be. I'm a work in progress. And what James was saying is, are you a work in progress? That's what he's saying. He's not saying, are you perfect? Because no one is perfect this side of paradise. But he's saying, are you being perfected? Our faith must show itself in action. Then the third and last major foundational principle that he shares with us is that faith without works is not saving faith, but dead. And he gives us three really vivid examples, two of them from sacred history. Example number one, James 2, 20 through 23. Do you want to be shown, you foolish person, wow, that faith apart from works is useless? Was not Abraham, our father, justified by works when he offered up his son Isaac on the altar? You see, that faith was active along with his works, and faith was completed by his works. And the scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness. And he was called a friend of God. First example is Abraham, book of Genesis. His account is there for us, and there's many things we can say about Abraham, but James points out one thing in particular. He has a son of promise, Isaac. Isaac's the one whom all the promises that God has given to Abraham is supposed to flow through. And, and God says, do you really trust me? And Abraham says, of course I trust you. And he says, and sacrifice your son Isaac. Now I would guess that 90% of the time, most of our parents would have problems with that. 90% of the time. But he, he has a son. It's his, his son, so he loves him. It's a son of promise. Everything that he stepped out in faith to do is going to be fulfilled through him. What does Abraham do? He goes to sacrifice his son. And as he gets ready to do it, God says, don't do this thing. Why? Because God knew Abraham's faith. I think it's important we know that. God knows all things. God knew Abraham's faith. But listen, Abraham needed to know it. Abraham needed to experience it. Abraham needed to grow closer to God through exercising it. I can't think of a time in my life that God hasn't called me to a faith step that stretched me where that experience hasn't drawn me closer to him, where that experience hasn't grown my faith, where that experience hasn't, hasn't manifested itself in me in a way that, that not only has blessed me, but blessed those around me. And so James is pointing out, no, Abraham's faith was living. It wasn't dead. It wasn't just lip service. It was something he acted upon. In fact, James quotes Genesis 15, 6. Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. Now, Abraham, again, he wasn't saved through his actions, but he acted because he was saved. And then he shares the second example, James 2, 24 through 25. 
You see that a person is justified by works and not faith alone. In the same way, was not also Rahab the prostitute? I want to camp there for a minute. Did you catch what her profession was? Rahab the prostitute justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out by another way. Joshua chapter 2, we have her account. Rahab is a, all right, probably the first and only time you'll ever say that in church. Rahab's a prostitute. That's her profession. Why am I keep pointing that out? Because I want you to understand there are some people who think that something they have done has disqualified them from the love and the salvation of God. Rahab the prostitute, James says, he wants to make sure we know what she did so we can understand what God did in her. No one's too far for the love and salvation of Jesus Christ. Amen, church? We have the prostitute. These men come in, they're, they're spies, and, and they're found out. They're, they're, they're the promised people, the Israelites are coming in. Here's Jericho. They're just checking out the city, and Rahab sees them, and she protects them. She hides them. Then she gets them out. James uses the word by another way, so they're not caught. And, and through this act and through the conversation you can read in Joshua chapter 2, you find out that Rahab believes in this God that she's heard about of this people who are coming and going to take over this land. And, and, and what James says is it wasn't lip service to her. She actually acted upon this thing. It, manifests, it manifested itself in actual works of salvation. Again, she wasn't saved by the work she did. She did the works because she was saved. And what really blows my mind is if you go to Matthew chapter 1, uh, 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 you find this genealogy of Jesus. And guess who's mentioned in the genealogy of Christ? Rahab the prostitute. Or shall we call her there, Rahab the saved one. The child of God. Rahab. Rahab's faith was not dead. It was expressed in a God-honoring deeds. Then the third example is found in James 2.26. For as the body apart from the spirit is dead, so also faith apart from works is dead. It's as if James says, maybe you're having a hard time relating to Abraham, or maybe you're having a hard time relating to, to Rahab. So let me give you a really practical situation here. He says, if the body, if the spirit departs from the body, that body is dead. And he says, if there's no faith in a, in a spiritual person, their faith is dead. Like if there's no action, no works, no, no fruit, no nothing, that faith is dead. Like how our, our spirit brings life to our bodies, God's spirit brings spiritual life in a similar sense. And Abraham and Rahab did not just talk about their faith, they acted on it. Saving faith, again, goes so far beyond mere lip service. We know, may know the right words. We may know the right words. But James challenges us this morning. Are our words being accompanied by right actions? Are we living for Jesus? Jesus highlighted the importance of, of an act of faith when he quoted the prophet Isaiah. Matthew 15, 8, Jesus is quoting Isaiah. These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They knew the right things to say, but they didn't even love God. They weren't walking with God. And so it begs the question, is there a solution to the problem of dead faith? And the answer is absolutely. There's a solution to the problem of dead faith. We must move from what? From death to life. We need to forsake walking in the flesh and choose to walk in the spirit. We must not only believe that God exists, but we need to deny ourselves, pick up our cross and follow him. 
The life of faith is more than a private transaction with God in our heart. It's, it's a life of active obedience. It's even when we let God down, sticking with him. Have you ever been in that situation? Come on now, church. Where maybe you didn't have a perfect day with the Lord. It wasn't because of him. And you were tempted to give up. And that spirit of God spoke to you and said, stick with me, get up. Let's walk together. I'm so thankful for God's mercy, his love, his power, his invitation to do life with him. We must follow our Lord that in act of obedience, it means living by an act of faith. The Bible describes saving faith this way. It's knowing about the gospel. It's knowing about it. It's knowing what it is that Jesus, God loved us so much that he sent his one and only son that he died for our sins, resurrected for our salvation. I ask you this morning, do you know the gospel? The second is assenting to the gospel, not only knowing about the gospel, but assenting to it, saying, not only do I know that, I believe that's true. Then the third thing is trusting in the gospel. Proof of faith that saves is a trust and commitment that accompanies a profession of such faith that's active faith. It's a baptism testimony. Lord, I want you in the center of my life. I don't want you to just be a part of my life. I want you to be my life. I need you. And I was thinking about this, and I was thinking of the world around us. And when I say the world around us, I don't want you to think world because that's so big and so impersonal. I want you to put someone's name there. A name of a person where you live, where you, where you work, where you go to school, where you play. Those people. Put names there the world around us, that they don't just need to hear about our faith, they need to see it. In fact, I believe with all my heart that what the world, and again, don't think that generally, put names there, people you know. But the world says, listen, before you tell me about what you believe, show me. Show me. James says, some may say, I have faith and you have works. And James says, I'll tell you what, I'm going to show you my faith by my works. Not because I have to earn anything, but because God is just so worthy. Amen, church? Amen. So as I wrap up this morning in prayer, I just wonder, where are you with Jesus? Do you know the gospel? That God loves you so much, no matter what you've done. Remember Rahab. He loves you so much that he sent his son Jesus Christ to die on the cross for your sins, be resurrected for your salvation. That in him you can have that life that you've been created to have. Someone imperfect this side of paradise, but perfect when he returns and we're with him for eternity. Do you believe in that gospel? Have you placed your trust, your life in him? If you have it, maybe in a moment, as I pray in the quietness of your heart, you take the step of faith and receive Christ as Lord and Savior. And for the rest of us, where's your faith? You know, where's your faith? Is it dead? Does it need to come back to life? Do you need a, an infusion of God's spirit to sort of, I do sometimes, shake me a little bit? Remind me of who I am in Christ. Wherever you find yourself, let me encourage you. Like Abraham, when you take a step of faith, it doesn't go without reward. You will be blessed and those around you will be blessed through you. Let's pray. 
Father God, thank you so much for just allowing us to explore this book of James. We've only tackled the first two chapters. I look forward to, after the first of the year, exploring the rest of this amazing book, this book about genuine Christianity. What's it practically look like to be a follower of Jesus? And I thank you that it's very clear that, that the works that we do, it's nothing about earning anything. We couldn't earn salvation. Jesus paid that price for us and he finished the work on the cross. It's in him that we're saved. And I pray that anyone here has yet to make that decision, whether on campus, watching online, but maybe now in the quietness of their heart, they would take that step of faith. Lord Jesus, be my Savior and Lord. Thank you for dying for my sins. Thank you for being resurrected for my salvation. Thank you for this new life that I have in you. God, the works that we do through the power of your spirit aren't something we manufacture because when we just try, we mess up over and over again. It's clear, as Paul writes in Galatians. But Lord, as we trust in you, your spirit does amazing things. It reflects you, your love, your patience, self-control, perseverance. I guess when we look at the first two chapters of of James, it can be summed up in saying, just give it over to Jesus. (laughs) Just live for him. And let the people around us see what it looks like for us imperfect people to be perfected by you, for us imperfect people to love with your love as you establish yourself more and more and more in us as we learn what it means to surrender more and more to you. God, thank you so much for your love. Thank you so much for your salvation. Thank you so much for the joy of walking with you. Have your way in each and every one of us. And as you've blessed our gathering, as we scatter throughout this region, May we share your love and message in word and deed. For your glory, we pray. Amen.